Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes... Lots of other marvellous benefits and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? <laughs> Let's do another life logistics, shall we, Sam? Because mm. we haven't done one of them for a while. Um, I mean, I say that I've just had a bit of a look at the uh, the, the logistics mailbag inbox, if you want to call it that. It's a bit sparse, but um, we'll do our best. Just means you've got more chance of getting your logistical query answered. Mm, um, true. Now, there's there's one here from uh, Paul Askham, which has come through on the uh, on the Twitter service, uh, the UK Twitter service that we use platform. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a follow-up, really, from what you were talking about uh, on a recent episode about frozen milk coming back from holiday, freezing the milk, and then being able to um, uh, make a cup of tea when you get in. Mm. Um, and Paul says, just a quick one on frozen milk. I once filled and froze an ice tray of milk. So we're looking at milk ice cubes here, which you would think that would be yeah poss- possible game changer, wouldn't it? Milk ice cubes. Yeah. Uh, and he says, uh, it didn't work. Fucking hell. Uh, I poured the boiling water over the ice block and the rapid defrost, his words, not mine, rapid defrost, uh, <laughs> cooked, <laughs> cooked, slash curdled the milk. Extremely disappointing, says Paul. Uh, evidently needs a slightly more subtle defrost approach. Yeah. Yeah, well, I would be do. careful with with um, dairy produce mm. in a microwave. I mean, mm. ideally, anything you're defrosting is better off gently and naturally, organically defrosted, isn't organically, it? Organically, like nature. Let nature well, I was thinking, it. I, I like the idea of the milk ice cube. Mm. I like it as a concept. What I would do, I would put uh, however many cubes of milk you take with your tea. I don't know, let's say two. Maybe yeah, two two cubes. Mm. Um, I would take two cubes. I'd put them into a sandwich bag, and I would gently lower the sandwich bag into uh, a, a mug of warm water, and mm. try and do that organic defrost. That that's you nice. Yeah, that's what, well. That's yeah. halfway. You don't have the waiting time of a purely organic defrost because mm-hmm. that could take a lot longer. But it's not as intense and mm. as impatient, really, of a microwave mm. defrost. I- I don't think you can ever truly gauge a microwave and how it's going to operate nah. when you're talking about small degrees of heat, such as I mean, the defrost of a microwave a living, microwave life. When it came in in the 80s, in Thatcher's mm. era, I believe Thatcher's government were behind the microwave. 
I, think, I mean, let's face it, this is, we're living in the microwave age, let's call it that. It's the microwave age. And she described the current age. It's no coincidence. She said society is over. Well, yeah. one of the things, if you look at countries like Mediterranean countries where society and community spirit tend to be stronger, a lot of that yeah. is based around mealtimes, cooking together, eating together. Thatcher yeah. hated all of that. She said, if we can get microwaves going, then every yeah. individual in the house can eat separately at separate times and there will be no more of this communal fucking eating which she regarded Mm. as a form of communism by stealth so she said all we need to do is invent some kind of electric power oven which can heat things very quickly in individual portions Um, it'll get the economy moving because people will be able to eat quicker and not fuck around she goes you go to Greece me and Dennis went to Greece on holiday and the old women there will start fucking podding their peas and fucking peeling their artichokes at 9am in the morning in time for dinner. And she goes, and I tell you this as well, them Greeks, they don't even eat their dinner till about 10pm. So the whole day is wasted preparing dinner. They stop halfway through to have a siesta, Mm. which which just reduces, you know, work output. Output, So that she didn't like that. But I mean, Thatcher was really the grand the grandmother of the meal for one, wasn't she? She was. Do you know what I mean? The, the pinger meal, I think they call them, uh, the microwave meal for one, and it's that whole thing, like you've just you just alluded to there. She got rid of the unions. She got rid of collectivism. She got rid of people mm. organising mm. and mobilising themselves, and right the way down to even the family unit. Yeah. She pretended to be all about the family unit, the nuclear Bollocks. family, if you like. Mm. But deep down, she wanted everybody eating meal for one microwave, ping her meals at different times like, of the day. get up, ping your meal, get it down, yeah, and get out to work. Get on your bike, mm. cycle 10 miles if you have to, or further. Mm-hmm. Put a shift in. Then when you get back, microwave that as well. No siesta. No siesta. Not even a lunch break. Oh, talking of lunch breaks, I saw a great thing on Twitter. I can't remember who tweeted it, but someone tweeted, not a day goes by, this is this morning I saw this, not a day goes by without me thinking of a former colleague in my first job who brought his leftover lasagna in for lunch in a BHS carrier bag. No (laughs) box, no Tupperware, just straight into the carrier bag. (laughs) Probably scooped out of the dish with his hand and just <laughs> dropped it in the carrier bag. He couldn't fuck around. He was like... I mean, if I lived... i tell you this now, right? If I lived alone, there is no way there would be any Tupperware in my fucking house. Just carrier bags. There's too much fucking Tupperware as it is in... I mean, this house yeah. is overrun with fucking Tupperware, right? It's yeah. like having yeah. an extra member of the family, the amount of space it takes up. Mm-hmm. And I've, uh, I mean, I've got, I've got a cupboard, and all the Tupperware is kind of towards the back of that cupboard. It's a deep one near the near the mm. under sink unit, um, and it never ever gets used. Any of it, nah. it's just there, be, just in case. I mean, fucking hell, can't live like that. Well, you know, they go. Got- my wife's like, oh well, it, it stretches, it stretches the food, it stretches your um, food mm. dollar doesn't it, right? Because very yeah. often, we'll cook a meal, some's left, it's a shame to throw it. True, but you know what happens most of the time, Andy, right? 
We put leftover food in a Tupperware box. We feel very good and thrifty and environmental. You stick mm-hmm. it in the fridge. It fucking sits there festering for 10 days. And then you go, right, that's going out. And it just it delays the inevitable. The food's yeah. getting thrown out. It's either immediately or in 10 days' time after it's sat in your fucking Tupperware for a while in the fridge. Yeah. Or you put the freezer in your freezer and you're really only supposed to freeze it for a month. And then you realise... Fuck that. Fucking four months later, you've got half a bolognese portion there, or yeah. you've 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 actually gone to the trouble to fucking put a little sticker on with the date on that you froze it, and you know for certain that it's just not edible. It's not fucking I've ve- feasible. I cooked this and dated oh, all of it. Slam I know, hard stuff. I know. I know. We we should be pro batch cooking really on this podcast because mm. it 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 buys into the just rest lifestyle. I think. Yeah. You know, cook your cook your wigs meals, freeze them. And then stick them in the microwave over the week, and there you go. Ping, ping, ping. Batch, Do you reckon batch, Frank Lampard munch, munch, munch. is a batch cooker? But what? Do you reckon Frank Lampard's a batch cooker? Um, I think Frank Lampard um, relies on Christine Bleakley to do to the do cooking. cooking. I think he makes an effort, but it's it's with a very heavy heart. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, um, he'll, he'll, he'll go out of his way to be out of the way when there's cooking to be done. Yeah, to disappear. Mm-hmm. So I bet he goes, yeah. I'm going on a long bike ride. I'm going on a really long bike bike ride this afternoon. I should be home in time to prepare dinner. But then it's like, just, he comes um, home and he goes, oh, sorry, I yeah. got lost on the bike ride. Also, yeah. I came off my bike at one point. That's why I'm two hours later than I thought. Yeah, had a slow puncture. Um, yeah. I just saw his. Um, I saw his uncle Harry Redknapp has been mm. on the TV this morning. On the morning we're recording, we're recording this two days before the Euro twenty twenty final. Believe it or not, mm. um, and his uncle Harry Redknapp says that everyone should get a bank holiday on Monday, mm. regardless of what happens. Um, I mean, that's alright for him because he doesn't fucking work, does he? Harry Redknapp every every Monday is a bank holiday Monday for Harry Redknapp. <laughs> He works quite a lot, but, actually, really, because he, you know, he's always doing his media uh, engagements. Yeah, that's not work. Mm. That's not work. He'd be doing his media engagements on Monday, I'm sure, but he'd be doing them from in his house on Zoom. So, I don't know. I tell you what, I mean, sometimes I worry that because, like, you know, the just rest lifestyle and philosophy that we've been encouraging for a long time now, long before mm. COVID and lockdown, in so- some days I think this has got out of control, right? We started encouraging people to rest, but now no one goes to work, which is, you know, good. Hmm. Um, but now it's sort of like they're fucking chucking around bank holidays like fucking confetti, right? And it's almost like, do you know what? Fuck it. It's like collectively people have all gone, do you know what? <sighs> Fuck it. What? Fuck work, right? <laughs> Fuck all of this. And Boris Johnson's sort of going, yeah. Fuck it, you're right. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. boring. Yeah, exactly. That's that's been the recent sort of uh, vibe regarding COVID, isn't it? It's like we said earlier. It, mm. He's just bored with it now, and it's like, ah, fuck this. Let's just uh, let's just pretend it's not happening. And everyone, if if anything, the just rest lifestyle is sweeping the nation. It's, it's gone. But, that, that's the real virus here. Yeah. And now I'm realising it's not so good after all. It's not for everyone. Or well, is some it? of it, yeah. I, I mean, 
It's about balance. It's about balance, isn't it? I mean, you know, the thing is, if you work hard... And you play hard. Right, <laughs> remember to rest hard as well. Yeah. But do you rest it's hard not like rest, rest 100% of the time. Just remember to rest in order yeah. to balance out the times when you're having to graft as well. Yeah. So but um, actually, rest hard and work hard. Don't play hard. That's just for wankers. <laughs> play yeah, pretty don't hard. Play, don't play hard. No. Not if you're a grown-up. No, play hard if you're a kid. Yeah, don't, don't don't play to win either. Just just play nicely. Mm. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like that the be our new. Could that become I, the new just rest? Play nicely. I think it is. I think it is. It's you know they tell you it when you at nursery school, and there's no reason to ever deviate from that. Just play nicely. Yeah, no, and then and then people get to a it's, certain age. They they watch episodes of The Apprentice and they think it's all right to go around saying, "I play hard and I play to win." Yeah. What? Oh, they Why? Watch, they watch. They watch Gordon Ramsay's kitchen bully, fucking kitchen cunts with nightmare. Gordon Ramsay, and all that, and not play nicely. It's 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 a variation of the hashtag, which may be slightly overused. I don't know. Be kind, isn't it? Because if you can be anything, be kind. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's been overused. The kind of people I think who use the be kind hashtag will then generally go on Facebook and. Um, kick off about the fucking the bloke three doors down who's been parking their car outside the house yeah in what they think is their space but it's actually the public highway yeah and you can park yeah. anywhere Those oh people. the be the be kind brigade they're the cunts you got to really look out for <laughs> yeah well what, what you get is a lodge well, if people are too nicely too it's certain about their own moral virtue they <laughs> get into a state of mind where they think that anything they do is ultimately motivated from a positive place and and therefore it's okay to fucking just go around being a cunt because you know deep down that actually you're really kind and you're only being a cunt to people who don't see the world exactly like you so it's all right yeah i mean uh, the the next door up i've spoken about it before the next door up is a fantastic um view into the the minds and the lifestyles of the 97 percent do you uh, do you subscribe to yours the next door app no my wife wouldn't let me really <laughs> couldn't you not just subscribe under like an assumed name or something under an assumed uh, she'll email find just... out because i won't be... the thing is she... <laughs> Would... she'll just be wor- she's worried rightly that i'll become obsessed with it yeah and, and join in or even if I don't join in, just become obsessed with the local feuds and anger and issues and accusations. Yeah. And it's not that's not good for my mental health. So I no. just try to float above that, you know. Get this, I run this by you know, I've been looking to buy a house recently. Yeah. I went and looked I went and looked at one about six weeks ago and it was about uh one too far from the beach actually. Nice location. Ooh. A nice 20, 20 minute walk from the beach. I thought, oh, this will do me. Was it haunted? Uh, not haunted, but oh. I asked the questions that you normally ask. Is it freehold or leasehold? Is, when is was it the, haunted? When was, when was the boiler put in? Is it haunted? Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, what are the neighbours like? And the woman who was selling the house replied that the neighbours are lovely. Um, and what they do is every year, every summer, they have... Uh, a street party mm-hmm. in the street everybody 
in the neighbourhood joins in the street party. It started off when they did, I think, was it the Queen's Jubilee or something a few years ago? When yeah. There was a few street parties around the country. They mm. did it then, and they all enjoyed it so much. They've done it every year, every summer oh, well, since. Fuck it, we'll do it every year. Yeah, and not only do they do that, right? At Christmas, the local neighbours all get together and they hire uh, a function room mm. in a local pub, upstairs in a local pub, and they all have a Christmas party together. Now, yeah. you know me, Sam. You know me and people, don't you? you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most gregarious fella that there is out there. Then again, though, a party in a room above a pub screams buffet. So you're going to be conflicted. <laughs> Fuck, what? There was no confliction whatsoever. I fucking fled from that house. <laughs> I said, I just shouted, I have no more questions. And I ran out the door, jumped at the car, drove off. A... a, a a street party? A fucking Christmas party? Andrew, Fuck that. Andrew, it's us from number 11. Yeah. We're just cooking I... it. We've made you a, we've baked you a lemon drizzle cake because you you said that that time, well, you didn't say you liked it, but you didn't swear at us when we gave it to you. So we assumed <laughs> it was your favourite. And we just want to invite you to join the planning committee for our new Easter parade party. <laughs> Fuck off, I'm not in. There'll be an Easter bonnet competition, which is compulsory to enter. <laughs> Do you have a bonnet? Oh. <laughs> no, we can help don't. you make one. <laughs> Obviously, we can't make it for you because that would deviate the competition, but there are some design ideas here in this pamphlet that you might like to look at. The pamphlet is only one ninety nine. Well... Andrew, Andrew, we've been doing some batch cooking, but we got our portions wrong, so we've got some left over. Here are some portions for you, for your freezer. Do you like spaghetti alla bolognese? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. Fuck off. Fucking leave us alone. (laughs) I hate foreign food. (laughs) Fucking hell. Fucking summer fucking street party. Christmas party in a pub. Yeah. Jalapeño. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Jalapeño. Down our street, there was a lot of, uh, let's go out and clap the NHS and have a sing-song um, yeah. for the first six months of lockdown. And I yeah. did try. You know, I don't, I don't mind that sort of thing. We used to have a lot of street parties where where my where my mum lives mm. um when i was a kid there used to be that sort of stuff and i mean as i've told you before it it, it usually ended in some sort of violence but at the yeah. beginning they were always good fun so i was into it but my wife and my daughter were like fucking hell they kept they'd come out and they'd have one look really grumpily and then they'd just retreat back in the house and pretend it wasn't happening <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was obviously trying to you know I wanted to kind of make myself very much the centre of it. Oh, yeah. Clapping Timmy. Yeah, here I am. Does anyone want to see me do a dance? (laughs) I don't have tap shoes anymore, but what I've done is attach some bits of tin foil to the soles of my trainers. It should make a tappy noise. Let's see, shall we? And I've I've stuck some drawing pins into the soles of my shoes. Tap, tap, tap. (laughs) Tap, 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 Timmy. (laughs) <laughs> thank you NHS tap 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 thank you doctors and nurses tap tap <laughs> did I tell you about talking of batch cooking they tell you about the like the logistical like, the, the ultimate well he's up there with you I don't want to insult you because you're the king of logistics but the only person <laughs> I know who's close would of course be my best friend Chris Ryan right he was an SAS yeah. hero, and SAS is very much the home of logistics, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd thrive in the SAS, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. you would, because you're logistics. You're a state of mind. The SAS is very much a state of mind. People think it's all physical, but it's not. It's actually just state of mind. It's, you're a problem solver, right? Mm. And, and so at the beginning of lockdown, when everyone was freaking out, and I'd been to Costco because I did start to think maybe there will be a food shortage. So mm. I went to Costco and... It was quite sort of mental there, and I started to get a bit nervous. So I thought, fuck it, I'll text Chris Ryan, and I'll ask his advice, right? And he was in living in America at the time, and, and I, I texted him. I said, listen, uh, what's, what's the plan? What, what's, what, what do we do? I said, I've got two kids here. I said, if, if, fucking, if we start running out of food... I know that was it. I said, what's the one thing... I need in my house in case this all goes tits up and we run out of food, right? Yeah. And I thought he was going to tell me a piece of equipment or a particular type of um, food that you could have that could stretch, no matter what. And you know what he said? He texted me back and went, well, what I'm doing is a lot of batch cooking. He goes, I've spent the whole (laughs) day, yesterday and today, I cooked a load of bolognese and then I cooked a load of, today I cooked a load of chilli and I'm just Mm -hmm. freezing it in separate portions in my freezer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? That's not what I was hoping for. And he went, well, what what were you hoping for? I said, I was hoping for you to tell me about 
how you killed a fucking seagull that time at a rubbish dump. You caught yeah. it with a bit of fishing wire and ate it. And he just yeah. wrote, nah, those days are gone. <laughs> it's yeah. all batch cooking now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was really Is that disappointed. Is what you were planning on doing? Were you planning on catching seagulls and, and, and eating them? I hoped he might. What I was hoping was that he would send me some sort of urban survival guide, right, personally. Like, he might go, Sam, get some fishing wire and get, like, a weight to tie to you in the fishing wire and you can feed a family of four for, like, even even in the event of, like, an apocalypse, you could mm. feed a family of four indefinitely all you need is this piece of fishing wire and a weight to tie it to Mm -hmm. right and i was like that that's what i was hoping and then i thought over the days that followed he would show me um how to use that fishing wire to kill various animals or whatever and how how they get the best the best i just wanted it in my back pocket andy because at that stage i didn't know that sainsbury's would carry on delivering all the way through the pandemic i didn't know that I was, you know, I was, I was looking for every bit of information I could get, and I, I thought this is the ultimate. I've got a direct line into the mind of an SAS legend, and all yeah. he told me was to batch cook fucking bolognese. Well, sometimes the, the most basic ideas are the correct ones. I mean, you you could have found out about the best way to get the most out of a seagull because obviously you can you can cook it, um, you know, the meat, and then you can boil the bones for soup afterwards. The kiddies like the wings, right? You can do them, yeah. but you can barbecue them style and put them, you know, in some yeah. Cajun spices. That's lovely, right? Deep the breast, the feet. there's a lot of meat on the breast, of course, but it's quite bland. Now, what a lot of people neglect is a seagull's ass. That's my favourite cut of a seagull, <laughs> the seagull's ass. You do the have Parsons to boil knows. it first to kill the germs, like... But once you boiled it, it's delicious. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'd bought that house and I'd, I'd bought it into the whole um, summer street party, Christmas party lifestyle, it would have been good if there was some kind of, you know, if it got a bit weird and you had to pr- present an offering, if you had to catch and kill and present a seagull or something like that, the, the newest member of the street had to catch a seagull and offer it up for the others. Yeah, that would have been interesting. And you walk in, there's a phrase you have, to, you have to hold it out, dead yeah. in your hands, and say, Who shall have this bird? And then they yeah. chant back the name of the person who you shall feed the bird to. Yeah, a nice welcome initiation ceremony. I'd have, I'd have been up for that, I think. But My I worry is that they the had their eyes on Oscar. All the neighbours are very eat. friendly. Oh, hello, are you the one thinking of buying number 13? Aye. <laughs> I heard, and I heard you've got a lovely wee dog. Maybe. Oh, we <laughs> love asking. dogs here. Is it quite a plump dog? Does it have a lot of meat on it? Or is it quite <laughs> scrawny? <laughs> Why are you asking how much meat's on my dog? <laughs> I don't see how relevant it is, how meaty my dog is. Oh, it's just we love her. We love all dogs, but we love a good meaty dog. You can't beat a meaty dog, can you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I want to buy no, this I house. Think, um, it's not haunted. Plus, I think the neighbours are planning on stealing and eating my dog. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll look back in hindsight and regret not buying that house. But I don't Sounds like so. a nice spot. But I always, as I've said before, when you're buying a house, one of the first questions you ask is, is it's haunted? If it's not haunted, mm. fine. But you can really push them on the price then. 
you can push them right you down. You can knock it down, can't you? Yeah. Because you go, oh, yeah. well, I'm going to have to, <clears throat> I'm going to have to um, hire a freelance ghost. It's like you say, well, I assume when I saw the price, I assumed it was haunted because yeah. you priced it quite high. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't really... mind. I can live in it, but obviously I will need a ghost. So yeah. I'm, there's going to be costs involved with me hiring a freelance. Like there's a ghost agency that operates in the northeast, and it's like it's like one of those caring agencies you use for elderly people. They will send a ghost like every day yeah. round to your house. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. The, the problem <clears> then is it's not always the same ghost. So you don't really start to develop a relationship. You, There's no you consistency. Can't form a bond. No, exactly. Mm. It's not the same, is it? Because um, it's like when you get the survey done before you yeah. buy the house. Obviously, they check for, for check for ghosts. Yeah. As well as the, the chimneys and all that sort of thing. They, that's um, where they check. They check up the chimneys see if there's any ghosts up there because that's where a lot of them s- sort of sleep. Yeah. I've got a bit of a follow up from the last life logistics that we did, Sam. Oh yeah. Uh, it was the fella who. He said he'd just been sacked and he was bricking it because he, he didn't know if he could find a new job with gross misconduct on his record. He's a software developer and we just said he should just start doing apps and just go door to door. Yeah, door to door, freelance app creation. Um, uh, and he's got back to us. Um, he's still anonymous. <laughs> and he says, uh, Sam and Andy, just heard the episode where you read out my email. Thanks for the ideas. Freelance app developer would have been a good shout. Every dickhead has an app idea these days. Mm. Uh, but then he says, update on my situation. I got a lawyer, appealed, and it all got settled. And then he's got a bit there where he says, please don't read this bit out. I signed a confidentiality agreement as part of my settlement. And while I doubt my former employees are cunters, brackets, they're just cunts, I'd better not take the risk. Um, let me have a look. Is it worth reading out? Do you think? Well, he's anonymous anyway. Plus, well, exactly. what, if you signed yeah. an, uh, a non-disclosure agreement, and then the first thing he's done after he's got his payout is think, oh, I'm just going to write an account of all of this to a podcast. Uh, uh, which is hosted <laughs> by two of Britain's biggest gobshites. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a good thing. They didn't say anything specifically about not doing that in the NDA. It's like he wants to get the sack all over again. Um, but, yeah... Yeah, he, everything seems to have turned out all right for him. And he's, he's just basically said that he's not a nonce. Because we said it might have been nonsense or sex pesting. But uh, he's saying it was nothing to do with that. He says, lawyers, by and large, this is a bit underneath, which is we're allowed to read out, I think. Fucking hell. Uh, lawyers, by and large, get a bad name. But in this case, one saved my new job and future employability. Ah, now then, there's a bit of reference there to a new job, which also is referenced in the bit we're not meant to read out which I didn't read out because he said it's all good because he had a new job lined up. Ah. So <clears throat> so you've, you've mentioned the new job uh, in the non-NDA portion of your email, so I'm sorry, but I've referred to the NDA bit there. So he had a new job lined up anyway. So what's he asking uh, us for ideas for? He's just thanking us because ah. we, we kind of helped last time and his, uh, his record is now squeaky clean. Great. Thanks to the lawyer. Um, moving on to better things. We've got one here from, um, who is it from? Nick. He says, my good wife is a wonderful, kind-hearted person, but suffers from mild social anxiety. I would mm-hmm. say we all suffer from mild social anxiety. Yeah. In that she you always... going to the fucking street party around exactly. fucking football. She's always stresses she's upset, uh, that she's upset or offended someone when she definitely hasn't. Mm. Whilst this may be considered an admirable trait to some, 
It seems to hamper her enjoyment of social situations and causes her pre- and post-event anxiety. Nothing too serious, mind, but she has said on several occasions that she wishes she could be a bit more like myself, with a more TFTM philosophy of living out loud and just resting. How can I help bring out her inner Euro 96 so that she enjoys... Oi, oi! So that she enjoys social situations more. Well, is that I understand this, and we've all felt like that. I, my really practical piece of advice is, if just like when you start prison, we always say, yeah. or a new job, always very quickly identify the biggest cunt there and spark yeah. them out on the first yeah. day. Yeah. Done that it's in every job you start, do it every time you go to prison. Yeah. I also think if you're at a party a social situation, a gathering, just always, always, when you arrive, you know, the longer you leave it to sort of announce yourself or kind of involve yourself in the in the conversations, right, mm. the harder it is. So as soon as you get in the door, and I would do this whether it was a family do or even a gala dinner, a sophisticated thing, let's say a, a book launch for a, po- a well-regarded poet, that yeah. Alan Yentop had organised, right? Ooh. Always, Shim. when you arrive, stand in the doorway and give it the... Oi, oi! Like that, yeah. right? Even if you don't know anyone, because then straight away, you've broken the ice. And I yeah. think, once you've started with the old oi, oi, right? Or just a very basic, all right, cunts, right? <laughs> then the ice is broken and it, nothing, nothing can happen after that that's any... That's that's embarrassing. Worse. Do you know what I mean? No. And and what it'll do as well, it'll immediately there'll be a large group of people at that gathering who will immediately decide they want nothing to do with you for the remainder of the gathering. True. Yeah. So that again, that immediately just cuts down your numbers in terms of people you're going to have to interact with. So that's good as well. Um, and I guess the ones who do still want to interact with you after that, you can write them off as being wankers that are not going to be bothered by anything <laughs> you say. No, they're your people. They're your Euro 96 Well, people. they're not your people because you're pretending to be something you're not. How do you know? You but, might be an oi-oi person. But you've just said that if you've got social anxiety, go in and do the oi-oi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. okay. This is it! This episode has to come to an abrupt end at this point because Sam went on to tell a story which could potentially get us into a little bit of trouble. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>